Hello, and thank you for joining us for another podcast of the Gospel Rescue Mission. And boy, am I excited today to share with you the full-length version of a interview that we did with Greg and Monica Conley. Now, for those of you who've been, um, you know, fans of the mission, following us for a while, you may be even familiar with Greg and Monica because they've been uh, in and out of the mission and working with and around, you know, the kind of mission community. Um, for probably as long as I've been here, probably about 12 years. Um, And now uh, we got the opportunity to just kind of celebrate with them. They just got to buy a house and we are super excited. And we just thought what an opportunity to talk about their journey and uh, how how far they've come and, and all the things that they've had to go through, the good, bad, and the ugly. And, uh, and boy, oh boy, um, they really have a fantastic story. So I really hope that you enjoy this. this. We have a shorter version of this on our YouTube channel. It's just the nutshell version the video uh, of it if you want to see get an idea of what Greg and Monica look like um, and everything that's a fantastic thing Uh, if you do like these things would you just share and follow them uh, follow us on Facebook follow us on YouTube and uh, share them with your friends that's how people get to know who we are Uh, with all that said and no further ado let me introduce to you Greg and Monica Connolly Hi, my name is Monica. This is my husband, Greg, and we are past mission residents. So we met in 2001. Um, I was 17, he was 20. Um, We, I mean, our relationship was off to a really fiery start. Uh, Right from the beginning, we very quickly became parents, um, very quickly also became uh, addicts together. Uh, So, the very beginning of our relationship was very tumultuous. Uh, there was a lot of chaos. Um, but I think somewhere in there, our souls knew that God wanted us together. Uh, we didn't really see all of that um, until much later in our relationship, you know. Uh, at the time, I wasn't really deep into my addiction as far as meth. I was, in, I was like any teenager of my friends back then, uh, smoking pot, drinking. Um, I had always known the Lord in a sense that I had known Him, but I hadn't been walking that walk. So every now and then, I'd, I'd talk to Monica about Him and stuff, and, and we'd have our little moments, but she wasn't really following that path. She was following a different path, as she said. Um, Monica soon became pregnant. Uh, I was going from place to place, staying with my dad. There was a really uh, toxic relationship with me and my dad. Um, And I really started to get into meth, crystal meth, really bad. And then eventually Monica got involved in it. I had gotten caught, so I was on probation and going to jail multiple times, did a lot of stretches in jail. Um, uh, Eventually she found out she was pregnant with our daughter, Samantha. Uh, she was the best thing, and my son, but when my daughter Samantha was born, it really didn't hit me like it would hit anyone else uh, until she moved into my dad's house, and my daughter was in her swing, and I heard her making this noise, and I looked back, and she smiled at me, and something happened right there, and just, I guess you could say a, a light switch flipped on, and I started caring about the things I was doing that were wrong. doesn't mean I changed right away, but I started caring. I started to become something that God could use. 
And uh, the pattern pretty much, though, was wash and repeat, wash and repeat. Every time Monica would lose me, I would do what I had to do to get her back. And I'd get her back, and then I'd fall right back in, because I wasn't addressing the root of the matter. Um, so as time went by, we decided to get married. We got married uh, 2004 in June, I believe. And my parents moved us up, my mom and my stepdad moved us up to Oregon, and I started working painting houses with him. We were doing really good for a while, and then finally one day we're like, let's do it once, which is everyone's worst choice. And it all went downhill from there. So uh, eventually our parents had to throw us out. So uh, we moved back down to California, and then the pattern repeated, and then we went back to Oregon, and the pattern repeated, and that's when we came to the mission the first time. So we met, we met in 2001, and then the first time that we were at the mission um, was actually 2004. Um, that, that was the very, very first time I was pregnant with our son. Um, I was trying to be clean off of methamphetamine, um, we were doing really good when we went to the mission the first time. I got a job at Mountain Alloys. Um, I was doing really good, making really good money, and then eventually I started getting loaded. And I was keeping it from her. I, she was pregnant with my son. I started keeping it from her. I kept it from everyone. I was being keeping it secret from the mission, and finally they caught on. So I came back, and Pastor Heck, who was the executive director at the time, he was also the pastor, um, was sitting in the office at the old mission building. We call it the Yellow Submarine. <laughs> uh, they were all in there, and I remember him saying to Monica, do you want, do you want a, your marriage to work, or do you just want to leave? Because you're justified. And I guess she said she wanted it to work, and then he looked at me, and he was like, do you want it to work? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, okay, so you go to the Ray Allen Center back when it existed, and you do 30 place. days, 30 days blackout. I wasn't allowed to leave there. I wasn't allowed to talk to anyone. Just blackout. So I did the 30 days. I got out. I was clean. Everything was going great. And then I relapsed again. That was when Monica said, that's it. My son was just born. She took my son, took my daughter, and went down to her mom's. And that's when it was kind of all downhill for me. So it was, I mean, that was, the, that was our very first encounter with the mission. Um, after our son was born in 2005, um, I left. Because he left the mission and it just went, we were fighting all the time. It was super toxic. We were not good for each other in any way. Um, and I was trying to keep the kids safe and he was not making really healthy choices to make that happen. So I left, I went back to California, I moved in with my mom. Uh, my mom was suffering from cancer. She had breast cancer and she, I was there, I was supposed to be there to help her through that whole process with my siblings and my kids. But I started using drugs again. So she died, she ended up passing away. So that was 2005 when I moved in. In 2008, May of 2008, she passed away. Um, and I just kind of stopped caring. Um, I had a really poor relationship with my mom while she was alive, and I think that grieving her actual death and grieving, ooh, um, grieving the relationship that I wanted with her took its toll on me. Um, 
So 2008, when she passed away, I really, I was already using drugs. It didn't take long after my son was born and being back down in California for me to get back into that kind of a thing. Um, so once she died, it was no holds barred. I just went crazy with drug use, with committing crime. He and I weren't together. So we got married in June of 2004. But then after our son was born and I left him in 2005, I filed for divorce in 2006. So we were divorced, but we couldn't really stay away from each other. So the whole time that we were divorced, we were kind of on again, off again. Um, in 2009, I went to prison. Uh, I went to prison. I had I was charged with charged and convicted for theft and embezzlement and burglary. Um, at this point in time, he I wasn't in contact with him. I was on the streets. We were me and the kids. We were hopping back and forth from house to house, drug houses usually because I had nowhere else to go. Um, I would call and try and talk to the kids though. Sorry. Yeah, when I he would try, but I mean I didn't have a cell phone, and when I did have a cell phone, it was usually one of those burner phones that you just throw away, and so my number would change. So there wasn't regular contact. So by the time I went to prison, or actually jail, and got arrested, him and his mom had been searching for the kids, but couldn't find us. So they thought, well, maybe we were dead somewhere, you know. And then he found me while I was in jail, and the kids were in foster care. Um, shortly after they went to foster care, he was able to start having visits with them. Um, and I was just kind of doing my time in prison. Um, that's where God found me. Um, he, I don't even, I, I mean, I know how to explain it, but like, it was surreal the way that it all happened. Um, I, I remember sitting, I was in the, the main room and there was this girl that kept asking me to come out to chapel. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Cause I was Wiccan before all of this. And when he and I first met and, um, I was like, no, that's not for me. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> But then there was one day, like after five times, she didn't ask me. She didn't ask me that day, but something else was telling me, no, you need to go sit out there. So I got up and I was like, ah, it's something to do. I'll just go sit out there. What's the worst that could happen? So I'm sitting there and I kid you not, that pastor was talking to me and everything that he said just cracked right through my heart and I got myself a Bible. It was a Catholic Bible, but that's all they had in the jail. So I just started reading. Um, I remember I was facing that prison time and... I had this strange peace. I was just okay with going to prison. Who's okay with going to prison? But I was okay with going to prison. I knew that there was something that, that God was gonna show me there. So um, I kind of just settled in and went with the flow. Um, I volunteered for substance abuse treatment. Uh, I was not mandated to do so. The courts, when they sentenced me, said that they believed that I could commit my crimes even stolen cold sober, but I knew that was not the case. So I did, I volunteered for everything that I possibly could, every substance abuse, every parenting, every anger management, all of it, and I did it. And because I did that, 
I was awarded an early release. It was the first early release granted to women in the state of California in prison. Uh, I think I was one of the first 400 women to have an early release for doing treatment. So I got out six weeks early um, and I went straight into an inpatient rehab. I was there for five months. I was blessed with the opportunity to do a 1453 program that they have in California that says if you complete five months of treatment, you discharge your number and you discharge parole on that on the on the the very last day of the fifth month, I don't remember how many days that actually adds up to, I used to, but. So I discharged it and then I moved up here two weeks after that, so that was August 24th was when I completed treatment. I moved up here on September 1st, our son's birthday, uh, moved up here. So the kids were in foster care and his parents, worked really hard to get guardianship of them. So they went from being in foster care in California to being up here with their grandparents very quickly after being in foster care. So they, they weren't in foster care for very long. Um, they were total outside of our care, I think it was 18 months. Um, well, a little longer than that because we, we, we took a little longer to go and file the paperwork to get custody of them back. We wanted to make sure that what we were doing to make changes in our life was gonna be, that it was gonna last because we didn't wanna lose them again. That, that 18 months was enough. Um, so they stayed with his parents for a couple years while we worked to get stable. So Monica got done before me because I was in college and I wanted to complete college down there. So when Monica finished her program, she went up to the Gospel Rescue Mission, the Fixo Family Center. And uh, she went ahead of me and was having visitations with the kids. I finished college down there, and then I went to Wagner Hall, the men's mission in Grants Pass, Oregon. And uh, I was 100% surrendered. I was ready to change. All I wanted was my wife and kids back and to be a man and a family man. And I had given my life to Christ. I had surrendered. There were still some reservations there, but I was... God was working with me. He could work with me now. Um, we had gone to the mission. I had, I met Brian Boteller. Brian Boteller was more than willing to work with me. He had let me do my internship at Dick Webster Computers here in Grants Pass for my college. I completed my internship and I got my diploma as a certified IT. Some of the things that helped me at the mission was the structure, was the guidance that I got. They helped me a lot with the encouragement with the, uh, when I came up here, I was ready to work and I finished college and Brian Boteller encouraged me. It was like, yeah, let's get you out there. Let's get you working, stuff like that. So uh, I, I would tell him my goals. Uh, another way that the mission helped me and Monica was they put us through marriage classes. Pastor Jay, who was a pastor at the time, put us through marriage counseling and marriage classes and we completed that. And at that time he said he would remarry us. So we actually remarried. In the living room at the Fixo Family Center. Yeah, there's a picture of us there. Um, and, uh, yeah, we had visitations to our kids there. Uh, I believe we were one of the last uh, couples to get a family unit there. Mm -hmm. So we had a family unit. I was working. Monica was going to college. Really, the structure there, like Greg had said, the structure was really beneficial. You know, having... Um, uh, 
good sleep hygiene, you know, going to bed at the same time, there was a lights out policy. We had to wake up at a certain time. We had to participate in morning meeting and we had chapel and we, we had all kinds of things that we had to do. We had to be accountable, um, not only to ourselves, but to the house. We had to sign in and sign out if we were going anywhere. We had to put in passes to be able to be gone for a weekend or whatever. So it really, the structure, the accountability and the different skills that I got to pick up from Renee and from watching other women and seeing what the other women in the house were doing and, and what was really working for them and what kind of wasn't. So that was really how I built my foundation um, for where I'm at now. I feel like I had built this really great relationship with the Lord when I was in prison. Um, just, getting, just getting that one-on-one -on -one time with him really, but then the fellowship that I got being at the mission versus being in prison, because prison <laughs> was amazing. Because now I had other women there that were trying to do the same thing, and God was doing similar things in their life, and I was able to see, okay, God really does care about these little things that we're all going through. And it really helped me draw closer to Him. Um, it helped me see the things that I had experienced in my life as blessings, you know, even though when it was happening, it didn't feel like it, <laughs> but it honestly, like it made me, it made me a stronger woman. It made me a stronger mom. It made me a better wife. It made me a better friend drawing closer to God. Cause he's, I mean, he's the ultimate parent, friend, all of that. So it really, that's how it helped me. During uh, me and Monica's stay at the mission, I, I can't even begin to explain how I realized the way I structured the values in my life were so scrambled and wrong. Uh, during my stay there, I was able to focus more on my relationship with Christ and my relationship with my wife and my kids. Um, I had learned to put Christ above all things, and then I would put my wife, and then I would put my kids. And um, I had a twisted reality of how things were to be and God helped me clear the fog and learn how to be a leader and at the same time with my wife submitting to me me submitting to her on the grounds that we are both looking for Christ's guidance and and as long as we're putting Christ first I mean we've just learned so much and and we've learned to put our trust in God and now you can throw whatever you want it at me and my wife and it's like, yeah, okay, so I don't see it as uh, naturally we want to go to the worst possible outcome why this is happening. What I've learned is, okay, well, God's allowing this to happen to get to us to this place, which is better than anything we could ever imagine. And as I've learned over time, I mean, life is good. God is good. Without Him, we, I'd probably be dead. My kids would be without a father. When our HUD paperwork came up in 2012, we came up to the top of the list. I think we were on the list for like 18 months. And then we got the thing in the mail that said, oh, your name's at the top. Like, you need to do this packet. <laughs> I was a nervous wreck. Yeah, we both were. <laughs> it was literally the same packet that you apply for that they just make you redo to make sure nothing's changed or that you're documenting what has. So we did that and we got our voucher and we had 30 days to find a place. He and I had never had a place. We had no rental history. All we had was criminal history. Yeah. Living off of other people. <laughs> yes. So we didn't really know 
how to do this. We didn't know how to look for housing. So we applied at several different uh, property management companies and they all kind of fell through. So we figured out, okay, we need some character references. We need to do something to, I don't, it's not sell ourselves, but advocate for ourselves to whoever we could advocate to, whoever's going to listen about who we are now and to just, please just give us a chance, please. So we wrote a letter. We had his mom write a letter. We had his PO write a letter that talked about how well he did on probation, how we were doing with our kids and reintegrating with them, how we were doing at the mission, um, all of that. And we submitted it to Hull Cummings Properties. And he had this one bedroom apartment over on K Street and we didn't even get to go inside of it. I remember we drove over there. The yard was overgrown. This rose bush was just doing crazy things. It was just ridiculous. And I looked in the window. I could barely see in because of the blinds. And I was like, this is it. I don't even care. This is it. It's ours. <laughs> we just, it's our place. It was perfect, really. It really was. It was, I mean, <laughs> I remember uh, I was working and uh, the day they gave me the key, uh, I got off work and on my way back to the mission, I went over there and unlocked the door. It was like one o'clock in the morning and I just laid in the middle of the living room on the carpet and I was like, this is mine. This is, I'm a renter. And I mean, it was just, to most people that would be nothing, but uh, it was just, it was ours. It was our first step. And that step seemed like a mountain that we'd never conquer. So, yeah, anyways. <laughs> it was really great. It was really small, uh, but we, we made it work. I mean, the mission has been so, so good to us. We had nothing when we moved out of there. We had the little things that we had accumulated during our stay there, but we really, we had no dishes. We had no furniture. Yep. We had none of that. Yep. So when we moved out, the mission came alongside of us, and they were like, okay, look, go to the store, get yourself a table and some chairs for your house, a couch, get a couch, a TV. get a TV, get a bed. He even, I remember Glenn had this corner TV stand. Yeah, it was pretty nice. And he was like, it Take was super it. nice. He was like, you see this thing? I can't get anybody to buy it. Yeah. Do you want it? I was like, yes, I do. It's a corner thing. I love corner things. He's like, God bless you. God is good. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> After that place, we ended up getting custody of our kids back in 2013. And we got a bigger apartment. We got a two-bedroom. So we were moving in there, and we needed a little bit more furniture because now we have our kids back. So the mission, again, blessed us beyond measure with the things that we needed in order to be able to provide for our kids. And I remember when I was in prison, there was one thing that one of the pastors had said to me. He said, you know, if you are faithful in your pursuit of Christ, he will restore what the locusts have eaten. And I remember when we got the kids back and when we moved into our two bedroom and they had their bedroom and they had their space and we had our space and then we had the space together and we were filling that space, all of us together. Mm -hmm. I really felt like, okay, God's restoring what the locusts have eaten. And it was, it felt so good. I felt, I felt like me again, you know, cause I'm a mom, I'm their mom and they're back with me. And that's really I feel like that was my calling, was to be their mom, you know? So now I get to, and it was amazing. I, with my schooling that I was able to start at the mission, um, I had intended to be a drug and alcohol counselor. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to focus on helping women from prison because that was me. I was a woman from prison and struggled with substance use. 
So I went through the human services program uh, at RCC and for my associate's degree um, with that intention, drug and alcohol counseling. I did my internship at the Department of Corrections. I applied for a job there and then some policies changed and they weren't able to hire me due to, um, there's stuff that's happens at the corrections department that a former criminal is not allowed to have access to, uh, like confidential, like classified. I couldn't get, I couldn't get the appropriate classification to be able to work there and have access to those records. So I felt super defeated because, oh my gosh, (laughs) this was my career path and I'm not going to get to do it. So I just started applying for different places and there was a mental health agency that was hiring for a peer and I thought, oh, well, that's me. I have bipolar disorder. I can, I can be a peer. I can do that. I don't know if I want to work in mental health, but we'll try it. At least it's a job. <laughs> so I started working as a peer. Uh, I did that for a couple of years. I fell in love with the population. Um, I it really enjoy teaching people that have mental illness or that have struggled um, in their life with managing their mental illness to have a good life. Um, I really enjoy helping them find their way through it. And I enjoy kind of being able to say, look, like, I get it. I get the struggle. I've been there. And, and if I can do it, if I can make these changes, so can you. Let's see what, let's figure out how to get that to happen for you. So I went from being a peer to then being a case manager and skill trainer. So that's what I do now with the peer sprinkled in there. Um, so I get to meet people in the community. I get to help them connect to resources in the community, uh, apply for things like HUD um, or UCAN, um, and then teach them the necessary skills um, for coping with a mental illness in life and how to be successful. So much like the mission did for me. <laughs> After I completed college and my internship, I uh, got a job at Dick Webster Computers here in Grants Pass. So I worked there as a computer systems technician I worked my way up. I worked there a long time. I built some really strong relationships and some really powerful friendships. And uh, that was when I was there and after I wasn't there. So uh, in 2019, uh, the, 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 uh, with everything hitting, uh, the economy getting bad, I got laid off there. And uh, when I was walking home, I saw Brian out in front of the mission, and I would stop by there and talk to him a lot. And I told him, he told me, hey, I need a guy. So um, I went in and put in an interview, and by my second time, second day, third day of unemployment, being unemployed, I had a job at the mission as the IT guy. And uh, it says, I say IT guy, but it really is everything. So the stuff that I do, I do the newsletters, I help out with uh, the videos that you're watching now. I love working there. Uh, some of the things that I like to work, do there that really isn't in my job description is I talk to the guys. I talk to the new residents down there and I share my testimony with them and tell them, hey, you know, um, one thing about me that always stuck with me when I was a resident is they didn't, they didn't cram Christ down my throat, you know? They kind of, they, they led by example. You know, so many people think uh, when, you, when, you, when you become a resident at the mission, they make you do these things. They don't make you do anything. It's like any other rule at a house you live at. If you don't like it, you don't have to stay there. But they weren't like just cramming the Bible down my throat. 
they, they led by example, and then it was, I was attracted to how they were, and I wanted to be more like that. And then once they knew that, they're like, well, let me tell you about this guy named Jesus. You know? So I try to be an example to the men there that way. You know? I'm not there saying, oh, you just read the Bible all the time. You know? Go to church all the time. Yeah, those are good and, and fine, but you know, it has to be their idea to want to know the Lord. You know? And it's like the old thing we'd say in recovery, you know, someone will get you loaded before you get them clean. It has to be, it has to be a program of attraction. So that's how I think of it with my relationship with Christ as far as getting other people in. So I just try and love on people and be nice to them. It's a struggle a lot still. But then once they ask me, hey, why are you always so nice? And I say, oh, let me tell you about this guy named Jesus I know. So that's, that's the best thing. Since I became a homeowner, something changed inside me and my wife too, and I couldn't figure it out. But it was like the weight of the world was lifted off me. And uh, me and my wife were driving, and I was like, I don't know what it is, but I'm just so grateful, and I'm just so happy now. And she looked at me, and she's like, uh, "It's really emotional, so I'm shaking and stuff, because uh, we accomplished all our goals." And I mean, I really was a scumbag dirtbag, unfaithful to my wife, unfaithful to my family, uh, a thief, a user, everything. And it's like, that's where I was. And now I'm here, and I couldn't do it on my own. But with the help of the mission, God, Christ used the mission to get to me and to make me into the man I am today. And although I'm far from perfect, you know. Me too. And it's like so many people think Christians think they're perfect. And it's like, I'm not perfect, but I'm changing. I'm constantly changing. God has restored more than what the locusts yeah. have destroyed. I can't believe what he's done. I'm grateful. I'm very grateful for the experiences that I had at the mission, for the, for the giving that was done to me that I am able to give back um, in a lot of ways, but most significantly at this time with the work that I get to do in the community. Wow, what a great story. And uh, thank you again, Greg and Monica, for, for sharing your story and being so vulnerable. Um, what, an, what an excellent story. What a great uh, testimony to the grace of God uh, in someone's life coming through the Gospel Rescue Mission, and what a privilege it's been to walk with them on this journey. Um, so, you know, we get we get our help from folks like you. If you like uh, what you just heard, would you take the time to uh, let us know and maybe uh, go to our donate page and, and support the work of the Gospel Rescue Mission. And hey, if you can't donate, just think about maybe coming down and volunteering. You know, we have a great volunteer site, a volunteer sign-up site on our website, and we'd love to get to know you, figure out how we can uh, plug you into the program and be a part of the team here at the Gospel Rescue Mission. And Greg and Monica's story is just one of many that come through here, and they come through every year. We really get uh, hundreds of great stories
stories of recovery and uh, redemption and renewal uh, with folks every single year. It's been a joy to work with them. It's a joy to work with each of our residents. And would you just continue to hold us up in your prayers as you think about and reflect on uh, their story today. Thank you again for listening. Share with your friends, follow us, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time.